Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a slightly packed show for you and admittedly it's going to be a little bit shorter show for you this week, but we are going to be reviewing the new Netflix film Pieces of a Woman starring Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. We will have actually lots of Marvel MCU news for you. We're going to talk about the brand new show WandaVision and we will get into that and much, much more on this episode of Popcorns for Breakfast, so let's get to it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. I'm going to let that play for a little bit underneath us. You like that, Kirk? I love it. I think it's great. Are you feeling it? You notice that it's a little bit more um, funkadelic this it week? It is funkadelic. You notice yeah. that? That is because our good friends at Rhetoric hooked us up with a new mix of our beautiful theme song. This music actually comes from a song on their album called Finally Stopped Thinking of You. It's, it's a great song. Actually, the whole album is is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you can catch those guys on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. I know you guys listen to music all over the place, but check it out. They got great stuff like this. They've got a really great vibe. It's like electro-funk. I don't know. It's just great. I love yeah, it. I love the I'm vibe gonna, of it. If you're going to let that play under, I'm just going to be rocking out the whole time. And so yeah. I hope that's Well, in that case, I'll fade it out. <laughs> okay, and then I'll just <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that, that music's courtesy of Rhetoric. So we're going to be featuring some new music from our friends at Rhetoric uh, throughout the episode, um, really just now and at the end, and then we'll mix in some of their new tracks as we kind of go forward on this show. So we're still kind of finding a way to um, get that stuff added, but we're excited about our new mix of our theme song, so we had to get it popped in there. So let me... We already started chatting, but let me introduce you to my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam. Um, I have to admit, I'm a bit, I have a bit of egg on my face this week, Kirk, because oh, okay. last week, this week's episode was meant to come out last week. And mm. the reason that it did not is simple and painful. And that is because after 40, what was it, Kirk, like 40 plus minutes of recording, Yes. I, maybe. you know, I, I casually looked down to see how long we'd been chatting and uh, realized that I had not hit the record button. And as I do that, I'm actually looking down right now and I, I have hit it. We are okay. recording. So this will go live. Because that's my new job is to help remember to yes. remind you to check the gate, if you will. Which shouldn't even really be necessary. Can we be honest about that? Like, that should be pretty obvious. You know, when you're going, it's like, it's like when you get in your car, you check your mirrors, make sure your lights are all right, good to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to hit the record button. That's going to haunt me for a long time. Do you like check your mirrors every time you get in your car? Or is well, that just I mean, like a nice I mean, analogy? I mean, yeah, it was just a nice, I mean, come on, Kurt. Who, who does that? <laughs> who checks their mirrors every time? That's I like, never, um, I never do. What do they say in driver's ed? Don't they say something like you should be checking your mirrors while you're driving like every 10 seconds or something like that? Yeah, which... And I'm why, like, that's absurd. I feel why, more likely to crash. Why are your mirrors moving that often? However, I will say that I've been like... 
Your mid, mirrors are just gyroscopic. <laughs> I've been like mid-drive, you know, like, oh, it's like a 20-minute, you know, location, destination I'm trying to get to. And then I, I glance to my right, and that thing is like facing the sky. And, man, it is alarming when it happens. Yeah, you're like, uh, oh. So maybe there's something to it, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna take the time. Yeah, but but regardless, last week should not have happened the way it did. And so now, you know what, I'll just say this, too. That, that episode was going to be a bop. It yes. was fire. We were having great conversation. We were locked in. There was good energy flowing around. I was like, man, this is going to be so lit. Yeah. And then I just wanted to swallow my microphone. I was just like, kill me. Please kill me. Um, yeah, if ever we have an episode that's going and it just seems like it's bombing, we can just say, man, this is just not as good as the lost episode. Yeah, you, right. You exactly. <laughs> what you missed. I know. I'm tempted to be like, I can't remember what episode number this is, like 56 or something like that. Yeah. I'm really tempted to call it 57. Yes. And then like as people become new to the podcast, like if they go back and look, they'd be like, wait, 55, 56, where's the, and then it's just, we never speak of it, you know? Yep. And when people ask, we act like they're insane. Mm. Like, yeah, of course there's an episode. 50. What are you talking about? It's All this there. great. It's the best episode ever. I don't know how you, how you don't see it. It's so good. Yeah. Exclusive content. Exclusive content. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, either that or it'll just drive people to mania and they'll be like, I'm not listening to this crap. This is stupid. They can't do math. (laughs) That's the other way it could go. But anyway, so last week we had the lost episode. I was I was heartbroken, but you know, it happens in showbiz. We we actually our very first episode, I think we told that story on this one. We got all primed and ready to go. Ryan set us up. He's like, here's how you do it. Here's how you control it. You're ready. We record. I mean, that first episode must have been two hours long at least. Yes. Or close to it. And we get to the end and realize none of it was recorded. (laughs) Yes. And we were so focused on making it happen that we spent another two hours in the studio. And basically rehashed the exact same conversations that we had. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. It was like, it was so bizarre. I like that we've matured enough to, to realize like, nah, nah, we're not going <laughs> to. <laughs> we were both just like, when that happened last week, we both just kind of looked at each other and like, yeah, so I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> That's exactly how it went down. And it was just, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. That's right, because it's not authentic then. And the other the other issue that this plagues us with, which, by the way, um, I have no no hard feelings about this whatsoever. Um, you're, I hope- a, you're a bigger man than me. <laughs> Dude, listen, I mean, I love you, but I don't know what would have happened if I missed record. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have a computer screen anymore. <laughs> I think, you know, like the, the, the MCU, the What If series coming out, like roles reversed, I would probably be crying <laughs> for the next 10 episodes. Like my hair would be all pulled out like, oh man, I, I screwed this one up. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that's awesome. Well, this one is recording and barring some sort of cataclysmic world ending event, it will hit the airwaves tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, January 19th, mm-hmm. right? That's so right. that's when you guys are listening to this right now, hopefully, or p- perhaps later. But we're going to have a little bit of a different episode today. No schoolyard pick. We're going to try to keep it short. Um, but good news, really good news, actually, hopefully. Um, we've made the decision to go back to weekly episodes. We've made the decision. We're going we're gonna to take the leap. Actually, I have an applause sound effect. Wait, let me cue that guy up. Sorry, this will only take an hour. Don't steal my job. I can clap. 
Yay, weekly episodes. Yay, weekly episodes. Yes. So yeah, I mean, that's just something like, we're just going to will it into existence. Because the reason that we went to Bioweekly was like, there wasn't enough content. Well, guess what, Kirk? We will just make it happen. We'll make our own movies. We'll make our own movies. Ooh, Which, I like of, that. Speaking of, yes. I thought of a wonderful baseline of a movie. I have no idea what, what it's going to be about, but I thought okay, of an okay. title. Um, my kids love to pause movies and shows and find mm-hmm. freeze frames that are hilarious. And okay. uh, it brings them such joy. And so while I was in the car the other morning taking my son to school, I said it out loud. I said, oh, yeah, because you love funny places to pause. Yes. That's the title. That's the title of the movie. That's the title of the movie. Okay. Funny places to pause. I have no idea what's going to happen in it. But, man, it could be a comedy. It could be a rom-com. It could be a, a sadder drama than manchester by the sea but funny places to pause will be one of our pieces that we create i think that and the crisis papers so okay let me back up yes. we've got we've we've essentially just got a working title then right yes we've got no plot we've got no genre that's right find um yeah i think we're off to a good start to be honest. <laughs> I, I think this is a winning idea i think we could pitch it at netflix tomorrow <laughs> and it would be live in 2022. I really do believe that. I am making a running list of our <laughs> ideas as we speak. Please do. Please Apple do. Pencil. We'd hate for them to, uh, you know, get lost out in the ether. Yes, we don't. We want them to be recorded somehow. Uh, you know, I don't think they're being recorded via audio. So I guess want to put it on on digital paper. You know, I think that's the best plan. Hey, speaking of Netflix and pitching movies to Netflix, let me just say this. Did you check out this new Anthony Mackie movie, Outside the Wire? Oh, oh, I did. I did watch oh, it. Oh, you did? You did? Well, yes. So I had a bunch of uh, work to do the other day, the other night, maybe even last night. And <laughs> what, what is time? And I put it on in the background because I figured this is an action movie. I could, I could watch this in the background. And I did. Did okay. you watch it? I did. I watched it. I'm surprised to hear that you watched it. So let's let's mini review this real quick. Yeah. Just real quick. Did you like it or did you not like it? Or were, you, were you somewhere else? I hated it. Yeah, it was awful, right? <laughs> it, it was, was quite terrible. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you, it, wait, let me interrupt I think you. Like, Hold on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, a bit. A day, a, what, what I'm trying to get at is this. You could you I honestly feel like we could pitch a movie to Netflix because these action movies that they churn out these days, the um you know, like the six underground outside the wire brand of action film that Netflix churns out, they're just awful. But I think what's truly masterful about them is that they are just actiony enough to make you stick around till the end, but then you get to the end and you're like, Yeah, I hated that. Yes. Is that a similar experience to what you had? Exactly the same. You have <laughs> a big star, Anthony Mackie, who yes. hasn't had that many opportunities to be the leading man. He's the he's front and center in this. And then you get this convoluted plot that just comes out of nowhere. Literally, like, I don't think it's an overstatement to say... 95% of the dialogue is centered around trying to make the plot make sense. Yes. 
they're like, well, why would Koval do this? Well, he's trying to get the codes. <laughs> this is the actual dialogue of the movie. <laughs> like, that's all of the dialogue. It's like all of that. Um, yeah. If you open up a movie and you are perplexed by the, mili- by the ease of military conversation, that's a red flag. That is know? a red flag. That is a red flag. <laughs> like, I need to pull it up, but, but oh, no. We got a we got a bomb going off here, guys. Send in the troops. 30, 30, 30, 30. Like, yeah, you're like, no, I don't think that's legitimate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and just like them, like making sure you get it. Like, I felt really, I felt like my in- intelligence was insulted by this film because <laughs> at at one point, so the main plot of the movie is like this guy who's a drone pilot like goes basically goes rogue and and fires you know blasts something based on his gut instinct but it goes against orders to do so so his punishment is he gets like sent out into the field and so at one point they're like driving along and he's like I know these streets like a taxi driver and the other guys like or like a drone pilot and I'm like yeah, we we got that. <laughs> we, we remember. <laughs> we remember that he's a drone pilot, and we know that that's why he knows the streets well. Like, you don't have to tell us that. <laughs> it's really, like, it was things like that that I'm like, wow, they think we're really dumb. They think we're really stupid. Okay. Also, they make the, they make that main character, whatever his name is, uh, who's not in Harp. Mackie, Harp. They make him seem like such a callous person because he's like, he like, let's just spoil it because no one cares. Yeah, let's <laughs> so spoil it. Let's spoil it. Let's go. He, he drops a bomb as a drone pilot on a bunch of bad guys. He ends up killing two of uh, two Americans to save 38. And so throughout, they're like, you got to have a heart. You got to understand that, you know, the human collateral. <laughs> Meanwhile, he, he fronts himself like trying to understand the human condition. But he's like in love and like has a has a fiance like that yeah. doesn't make sense. Like that's extreme dissonance. If you are so cold where you can't understand <laughs> the value of human life, but you like I'm getting married next week in Palm Springs. He doesn't sound like that at all, by the no, way. No, he, <laughs> he definitely does not. He definitely does not. But go on. Point 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 came across still. Right, right. I'm getting married next month in Palm Springs. <laughs> but I don't understand why it's uh, o- why it's not okay to bomb two people to save thirty eight. And they say it like six times. Like it's it's rough. Well, it's so well rough. yeah, so there's that. And then what is probably the most perplexing thing comes at the end when it is revealed that Anthony Mackey, the robot cyborg super soldiers, mm objective is to nuke america killing millions of people and and that what the effect that that is supposed to have on you is you're supposed to be left with a thought of like maybe america's the bad guy like that's the point of the movie and i'm like i'm like that is a weird route to go yes. to be honest for a movie marketed towards Americans. Right. And I know that these are cynical times, but I'm like, and sure, people have had that thought undoubtedly, but I'm just like, that's the lingering message you want here? That's what you want to to hit home? Right. And the bad guys are Russian, by the way. Speaking yes. of you know, turbulent times, they're, they are Russian. <laughs> Anthony Mackie goes rogue and joins the Russians. Joins the Russians to nuke the United States. That's then, That's what he wants to do at the end as his exposed cybernetic body is like melting as, as he's dying, still tries to convince Harp, like, choose me. 
He's also oh, yeah. from the South. Um, choose me. Be with me hard. But we can <laughs> we can rule the world. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Also, how about them being like, um, what's this gun? Well, it's got incendiary rounds. It can shoot through an armored truck. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I wonder how that's going to come back when he's fighting the cyborg who's made of metal. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. Gosh, dang, man. It's just like... I was just like, less talking, more punching and shooting, please. For the love of God, please stop talking. In fact, if this whole movie had no audible dialogue, this would be at least three points better than it is right now. Yeah. Like real talk. Ryan Gosling drive route, like minimal talking. Oh, man, I know. Yeah. It's amazing what, what that can do for movies. Sometimes they just talk their way right out of a good movie. Not that this would have necessarily been good, but man, I'll tell you. <clears throat> the last thing tell on you this, what. and then we should probably get into what's popping, but yeah. I also loved that three times at the beginning of the movie, they kept saying, beyond the wire. <laughs> like <laughs> Beyond the wire. <laughs> avoiding saying the title outside the wire. Yeah. Like, and you're like, oh. Oh, they almost said it. And then finally, as they were exiting the safety fence, <laughs> they said, we're going outside the wire. Yeah. And that's like the, it's ridiculous because like the actual meaning of outs. So outside the wire, I assume is like a double entendre because mm-hmm. he's like a robotic super soldier thing. But the, the actual meaning of it has very little relevance to the plot of the movie. They're like, we're going outside the wire like one time and then it's, that's it. Yep. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like why? I get that he's a robot. So you wanted to get wire in there. You guys are real sharp. I see what you're doing here, but like, come on guys. I don't know. And it'll probably be watched by 65 million households. I mean, your, yours and mine already watched it. So there, <laughs> there that's right. you go. That's right. It was number one on Netflix this weekend. So, Oh Lord. Oh Lord. We'll okay. See how, if it holds its spot. I know it's uh wow. Well, yeah. So now that you know what happens in that movie, feel free to check it out. It's good for a laugh. Um, and I watched the whole thing. So to their credit, they made a movie that made me stick around to the end. So, <laughs> I don't know what if that says something good about Netflix or something terrible about me. It's really hard to know at this point, but here we are. It's still um, number one right now. Yes. So more people are soaking it in. This is good. This is good. Um, maybe it's like some, I mean, we just keep talking about it. Maybe it's like some sort of covert ops, like subliminal messages to turn people against the United States. Maybe the Russians created this movie. That's right. And they were like, who's somebody that, that the Americans trust? Well, the newly minted Captain America, of course. Dude, I think I just figured it out. Manchurian candidate. Yes, dude. I think we just figured it out. We cracked the code. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just waiting for the episode. We have just reviewed Outside the Wire (laughs) on Netflix. I'm just waiting for the red laser to come on my head (laughs) because the Russians are on to me. Okay. Wow. Well, I did not expect to go down that rabbit hole, but here we are. Um, are. Okay. We better get into some news. Shall we? Let's get into what's popping. Okay, everything's popped. We're all popped up. Pop it up, pop it up. All right, where to begin? So we've got some Marvel news, as I teased at the at the front. So let's dive into that. Some <laughs> we've got 
we've got every tier of Marvel news here. We've got Marvel news that's like, whoa. We've got Marvel news that's like, hmm? And we've got Marvel news that's like, hmm. <laughs> I'll start with, I'll do them in that order. Or maybe I should start with the meh one first. Should I start with the meh and then yeah, build? Yeah, let's, let's just build it. We're going to add some layers here. Okay, yes. okay, I like this. We're just kind of planning as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is that, you know, we've got this Moon Knight series that's coming out um, starring Oscar Isaac. Very exciting. The villain has been cast or reportedly been cast, and it looks like it's going to be Mr. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is a Marvel villain, Kirk. What is your reaction to this? You know, this is the first time I think I've really been excited about an Ethan Hawke movie since Training Day. Youch. That's a lot of years. Yeah. That's a lot of years. Uh, Ethan Hawke started in this movie called Hamlet 2000 a long time ago where he played Hamlet, but it was like this really weird, they were were basically trying to be um, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann, but like in a weird... I don't know, Wall Street kind of way. And like Godzilla 2000. Yeah. Lots of I, movies with 2000 in the title around that time. People were weird about Y2K. I don't, I don't know. Very, yes. very bizarre. Anyway. Yes. They were very, it was a very real moment in history. I remember vividly sitting on my parents' bed and saying, like, that's it. Like, after everything. Like, this is okay, the end. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nothing happened. But I'm excited for him to be a villain because I feel like that's more suited for him because they always do. To play like the white knight or the, you know, the love interest in all of the before sunset, before sunrise films. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is how I want to see Ethan Hawke as a villain. I'm excited. That's interesting because I, <laughs> I feel like I have exactly opposite opinions of you on this. So like, <laughs> A, I am a fan of Mr. Hawke's work. I'm a fan of him. Um, I don't know. I just I like. I know you're not a Boyhood fan, but like, there are right. You're not a Boyhood fan, is that I'm right? I'm not. I'm not. Which is just you know we're not going to get into that today. I think we've we've adequately dived into that before. But you know I I am a fan of Mr. Hawk's work. I think Boyhood was good. I like Training Day as well, though I don't. Admittedly, I'm not as high on Training Day as some others. Um, Reality Bites. You know he's got some good moments. And my first reaction was, wow, that seems odd to cast him as a villain, but I can kind of see it. Um, so it'll be interesting. Like, I think that's within, I think that's well within his range. Um, mm-hmm. He certainly picks some bad projects along the line, but I do still think he's a, he's a good actor and should be an interesting addition to the MCU, especially in the um, capacity of villain, because I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on as the MCU goes forward is how they do their villains because that was one of the really the only things they were criticized for in the first three phases was not having good villains Mm -hmm. sort of like movie after movie. I mean, they had Thanos and everybody seemed to pretty much like the Michael Keaton vulture. How could you not? And everybody seemed to like Michael B. Jordan's uh, Killmonger. And I think that's sort of the end of the list as far as like villains that people universally beloved in the series so i think kurt russell did a good job but uh oh true yeah ego he would be under them as far as the writing goes uh for for the character yeah yeah so it should be interesting i think that's a it's like eh, that's that's interesting so that's why it falls into that category the like whoa marvel news is that chris evans is coming back in some sort of capacity as steve rogers um 
I mean, so let's be honest. Chris Evans then tweeted out like a really cryptic tweet where he was like, news to me, shrugging emoji. But like they like Deadline and Variety and, and sources like that do not get this wrong. It just doesn't happen. So um, he can he can play games all he wants, but we all know that something is happening. He just was probably upset that the cat was out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we know is that Steve Rogers is reappearing in some sort of vague capacity that's believed to be smaller than a major role. So I've got two questions on this, Kirk. One, do you think we're getting... Captain America, Chris Evans, in some sort of like mm. alternate reality, whatever, or do you think we're getting some other version of Steve Rogers? And two, do you think that I forgot I lost my train of thought? Answer the first question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because the first question is a two parter. So. It is a two parter, but I do have another one. I just need to think of it. <laughs> Uh, if you never remember the other one, you can just push that into the second. Slide. <laughs> I'll just edit. I'll just edit this out. <laughs> I <clears throat> I would say that I do believe we get Chris Evans as Captain America. Um, I feel like we're gonna get him in his parallel life, living with Peggy, um, knowing that he once was Captain America, and uh-huh. but like fully immersed in it, right? So that he's whoever like comes and visits him however will have to like remind him and have like oh that's a life long ago you know but then maybe he'll like beat a couple people up real quick and like in a quick scene and it'll be really like flashy and, and fun i feel like it'll it'll be something like that um and hopefully we can see him creep into the the marvel uh, tv shows on disney plus yeah okay so i remembered my second part of that question and okay. maybe you, it's possible that you just answered it but um are you like what capacity do you want to see chris evans back in the mcu like what steve rogers would you want to see is it the version that you just described like alternate universe chris evans like living with peggy and like not captain america or like what what are you kind of like how would you want him to get mixed back in i would say that one because we've had his full story uh and i honestly don't see even though that role really did a couple things for Chris Evans. It really brought him to to a lister status. And yeah. B, it actually helped his acting because uh, we know that he was in some clunkers mm-hmm. before. And I've seen him in films outside the MCU where he does not act like Captain America. He's acting like the character that that you know it calls for. Uh, so I could even though even still I don't see him wanting to put that uh, put the shield back on. And go mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. three films. So I think it's going to be like a glimpse of something in like a 15 minute max scene. Yeah, I could see. Um, so I think that that's all good takes. Like, I don't think I mean, I think the line has been drawn that, you know, Sam Wilson is the new Captain America. I don't know exactly what that will look like in terms of costume. You know, is he going to hold the same shield that Cap held? I don't know. I really don't know. Or is he going to continue to be the Falcon for a little while? It's hard to tell. I mean, this show that's coming out is called Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So, you know, there will be some transition period there. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Steve Rogers we get will not be Captain America Steve Rogers. I think it will be him in some other capacity. You know, in the comics, Steve Rogers, after, like, 
kind of being done with Captain America turns into a character called Nomad, uh, oh, which yes. actually like lots of different heroes are Nomad at different times. Like I think even even Hawkeye, like Clint Barton is Nomad for a period of time. Perhaps I'm not ultra familiar with the character, but um, I think that could possibly be a way they go. Only it's 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 hard to know with the way that the Steve Rogers timeline ended in Endgame with it with it ending that way it's there's almost like not much room for that period of his life you know what i mean so it's it's interesting but who knows and mm-hmm. i saw some people sort of like fantasizing multiple people on twitter um fantasizing that we get like a six part television series where it's um captain america returning all of the infinity stones back to where they belong in the timeline but that's not happening. So I sh- it was Dang. irresponsible to even state that, but people are talking about it. That would be cool. That would be cool. We kind of got a glimpse. I forgot about the whole Nomad storyline. We kind of got a glimpse uh, or like a tease to it um, as he is emerging from the shadows in Infinity War. You know, he went off and was into hiding after the end of the Civil War events. Yeah. And that kind of looked like that was the MCU film version of Nomad. Like, what's he been doing, you know? Uh, right, that might be all of Nomad, but I would I would totally be down for for a Nomad storyline. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I don't know. It should be it should be interesting. It should be interesting, no doubt. I mean, I think I'm just I'm happy that Chris Evans is returning to the MCU in whatever capacity that it is because he's done great things for that franchise, and you know, like I don't really care what you know whatever that is, and I I think. I'll be happy with just about any way they go with it. So yes, all around good news there. Okay. And then the last one that's like, hmm, is that <laughs> Matt Damon has been cast in Thor love and thunder Thor four has, uh, so a couple of notes here just to kind of like a launching pad and then we can kind of go from there. One captain or sorry, <laughs> captain Matt yes. Damon appeared in Thor Ragnarok in a hilarious cameo where he was like (laughs) the stage actor of Loki in this like hilarious over the top (laughs) dramatic play that Loki who was masquerading as Odin had put on to tell the story of Loki. And it was like him and Sam Neill. And then, um, the other Hemsworth brother. The other Hemsworth, the other Hemsworth. Yeah. It wasn't Liam. What's the other Hemsworth name? I can't remember his name. Derek. Oh no. Something like that. He, he was in there anyway, he was in there. So that was like a really funny moment. So is it like, is it just that or is it something more? I think something that's worth noting is like, this is pretty late into the casting game for Thor love and thunder. Like we already know Natalie Portman's in there. We already know, obviously Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, all the guardians of the galaxy are in there. Um, and then, we know Christian Bale. So the fact that this is coming late makes me feel like maybe it is another cameo and this is just like for fun, but maybe it's something bigger. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. First of all, I just looked it up. His name is Luke, Luke Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth. Sorry, Luke. And I, I would rather it. (laughs) I mean, they could play the joke again. They can make it happen uh, because it's Taika Waititi uh, (laughs) coming in on, on this, on this fourth Thor but I would really love it if, if it were something bigger. Um, 
maybe he was so inspired by Thor saving everyone because he's like this traveling thespian in the, in this community theater. Maybe they form their own uh, like alliance militia and they want to join the the Revengers, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> as yeah. long, I could, I just want to see Matt Damon in the MCU, like killing some aliens. Like uh, that's what I want. Or recast him as a new character because I love that guy so much. Yeah, I think it would be, again, this is another thing. It's like, it won't be bad. <laughs> like, it will be good. Even if it's just another cameo and they, like, rerun that joke, it would get a bigger laugh out of me this time, I think, for sure. Um, I, I'm interested to see where they go with it. I think something worth noting, like, that Loki show comes out this year. Mm-hmm. And I anticipate that there are lots of Hiddlestands out there. Um I anticipate that that show will be wildly popular due to the Hiddlestands. And so I feel like with this movie coming out after that, we will know the fate of Loki sort of. And he almost certainly makes an appearance in this movie too. So maybe they do run back that joke. I don't really know, but it should be interesting. Yes. Cool. Um, Last bit of MCU news is not really news, but just that uh, WandaVision is out. First two episodes are on Disney Plus right now. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet on our social, we actually spun up a, our new web series, which is called Spilled Popcorn. And we are, is that a W? What are you making? So like I was trying to come up with like a WandaVision, like, I don't know, gang sign. I don't know. Like, wow. So if we go. <laughs> We go W to V <laughs> for all of you listening only. Here we go. Yeah, this will be good radio. W. Okay, that's it's not the worst. It need, it needs work. I feel like Santa Claus. Oh. In, uh, you see it snap. Rudolph. So you, so you put like you're doing like a bird. You know, like the Napoleon Dynamite bird yeah, flying away. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite bird. Okay, just Start just don't there. make it fly, and then snap your hands outward into a V like you would normally put a V. Boom. Wanda Vision. That's it. That's okay. the symbol right there. Wow. Well, that needs work, but I think um, <laughs> your heart's in the right place, and that's what's really important, Kirk. Um, anywho, we spun up a new web series called Spilled Popcorn. It's on YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, Popcorn for Breakfast, and check it out there, where basically on this series, we are going to be doing deep dives, and we're going to be talking spoilers, and this is for people who have watched the show to go in and get some more information, to get our insight into what we think is going on, to get wild speculation, which Kirk and I love to do. Um, It's a lot of fun. We're going to be doing this for WandaVision to start with. I think we will do all the MCU shows, and then we'll just kind of use it along the way to deep dive into different movies, different TV shows, kind of whatever pops up. So like, for example, good example, this year the Queen's Gambit came out, and it like went from nothing to the biggest thing on the block. Like we would probably pick something up like that and do our series on it and then move on. So that's, that's the kind of stuff you can expect there. And that is live on YouTube as of Monday morning. So go check it out and uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're there. But let's chat WandaVision just real quick, briefly. And then you guys, if you want more info, um, you can get it on our YouTube channel via that video. But I think, um, in general, Kirk, kind of what are you thinking of the show so far? And um, yeah, just general thoughts. Big fan. Um, big fan. I'm liking what they're 
they're doing. Um, you know, they didn't open up with random military jargon. Um, they didn't say the title of the film <laughs> of the show seven times over. And there's no weird cybernetic organism that doesn't make sense. You know, that, that is what vision is. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so much better already than uh, Outside the Wire. And <laughs> as we can all expect, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, the other Olsen sister, she's she's a dream. She's a dream come true. And Paul Bettany gets to uh, float his wings all over. He can be more than just a robot. Like yep. it's so playful, and they let them play throughout. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, I feel similarly. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really excited to see where they go. Because um, as we kind of discussed on there, on that episode of Spilled Popcorn, like they are dipping their toes into some pretty interesting things in terms of what happens in the in the comics, but they have yet to reveal their hand. So they're kind of slow burning us right now. They're they're lulling us to sleep with some, you know, they're giving us little hints here and there, but they have yet to really reveal. The master plan. So that those episodes are available um, of WandaVision, that is, every Friday for the next um, seven weeks. So we'll be closely watching along to see what happens there, but it should be interesting. All right. Next bit of news, we're going to transition out of Marvel land. We're going to talk about Netflix, who last week released a juicy, white-hot sizzle reel that was teasing this promise that they made towards the end of 2020 that they are going to release a new movie every week of 2021. And this sizzle reel included some big movies, including The Harder They Fall, which has Denzel Washington, um, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Regina King, just massive cast. Uh, Red Notice, which stars Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Tick, Tick, Boom, which is a musical. Just like tons of huge movies. The Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams. Um, The new Adam McKay movie starring, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence called Don't Look Up. Like huge movies. And they're already backing it up with their slate so far. So, Kirk, what do you think of the sizzle reel? I thought it was fantastic. It kind of blows my mind that we're getting a new movie every single week from Netflix in 2021. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like that is the silver lining of COVID-19. Like that really is. Like thank you, Netflix, for knowing exactly what everyone needs while they're still recovering from the awful, awful uh, and still living through the awfulness that it is. So. There is some irony in some of these films that are coming out because there are some pretty big Hollywood um, people who are were always against streaming from the get go. (laughs) Talking about my boy Leo, who I love so much. You know, he was one of the people advocating like, no, like these movies belong in theaters. Like, what are you talking about? And then here's his movie with, you know, Adam McKay, also one of them slamming right into streaming. So, right. It's kind of hard to see a. To, it really is kind of hard to fathom a Leo movie coming straight to streaming. So I don't know how ticked he is about that, but I'm excited that it's coming straight into my living room. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Another one that I failed to mention was Chris Hemsworth in uh, Escape from Spiderhead, mm-hmm. which already wins the title for already wins the uh, award for best movie title ever because it has the word Spiderhead in it, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, 
<clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm equally excited about this. Are there any movies that you either knew about or didn't know about heading into this that you are like stoked about now? I think I was surprised by most of them. <laughs> actually. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Really, I've seen. I've seen uh, the. Uh, I still forget what what the title is for Leo. And you you just said it. You just oh, said don't it. look up. Don't look. Don't up. look up. I knew that him and Jen, and J Law were in a movie together, but I could not remember the name of it. I've seen the production photos for it like six thousand times, but then I saw it. They throw it at the end of that of that sizzle reel, and I'm like, what? Like that came as a surprise to me. It it really did. I feel like Leo was the last holdout, and then they were probably like, okay, listen, listen, this yeah. is this is what we do. <laughs> so, well, and that cast is, is that cast is really hard to ignore. I mean that. They are, it is a tantalizing cast. We talked about it on this, on this show before, but like just names out the wazoo. I don't have them all yeah. off the top of my head, but I mean, just like they have one of those cast lists that it has like 30 people on it that you know, and that are very good. So it's just, that one should be interesting. I think for me, I mean, Lin-Manuel, Tick, Tick, Boom, a musical directed by Lin-Manuel, created by Lin-Manuel, starring Andrew Garfield. I mean, come yes. on. That's like. Who's been who's who's got a hold of my dream journal? Come on now. Um, and then the other one, this this is one I did not know about prior to the sizzle reel, and I don't think many people did because all of the news outlets like Entertainment Weekly and Deadline were like, first look at the harder they fall, you know, and it was from that sizzle reel. That was a movie I did not see coming. And that cast, dude, just stacked. Like I said, Denzel Washington, Regina King. It's a western. I mean, isn't that Rami looks, Malik in it as well? I don't know. Is he? I don't know. No, he's in the other Denzel movie. Oh. The little the little things. Okay, fine. Right? Yeah. The little things with Rami Malik and uh Oh, who's the other guy? I don't know. Somebody there's, else big. There's so much content. The fact that <laughs> some of this was still like in the in the wings uh before COVID <laughs> and, and being you know, in post-production and editing and, and then stuff that was recorded through 2020, like near the tail end or, or halfway through, like my mind is blown. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, Netflix just comes in pouring all these movies into the hopper and they just get their paintball gun of movies and they're like, <laughs> how you like these apples? And it's just like my head's exploding and there's all these movies. It's just, it's, it's wild. We're not going to sleep. Um, we're actually going to come up with a daily episode, everyone. A daily episode. Oh of Popcorn gosh, dude! There are podcasts who do that, and I'm like, I'm like, let me tell you, there are a few things on this planet that I love doing more than podcasting. I I thoroughly enjoy it, but daily, I would die. I'm about to fall asleep right now. I'm so tired. Right, but not exactly. because of the content of this podcast, but because I'm genuinely <laughs> sure, <exhausted. laughs> sure, Kirk, whatever. Um. Speaking of content and streaming wars and all things of that nature, and this one is just hilarious. I just I I laugh out loud whenever I read this headline. Apple TV Plus has once again stretched out their free subscription threshold. So <clears throat> get this, Kirk. Yes. If you were like me and you got a new iPhone on in uh, November of 2019. You will have Apple TV Plus for free until at least July 1st, 2021. That is over a year and a half of free content from Apple. 
That is yeah. nuts. Big deal. Free Apple TV. Plus right? <laughs> I got this bad boy, this iPad Gen 7, in, on my birthday of December 19th. So December 14th of 2019. I'm in the same boat as you. I will get that extension. Um, it's hilarious. The only thing I'm excited about it is, is that we get Cherry with Tom Holland for free. Right. That's that's the big win here. That really is. That's the big win. Yep. And hopefully maybe like Ted Lasso season two sneaks in there. I don't yes. know. <laughs> you know what? At this point, Apple, just give us a free two years or just free for life. I don't know. Whatever. Free for life. If you signed up in 2019, you're golden. You're grandfathered in because you believed in us. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Except for not really because... <laughs> You, we gave it to you for free and kind of against your will. We were just like, here's this thing. And you're like, eh, okay, I guess I'll use this once or twice over the next year and a half. <laughs> it's kind of like when Apple had that deal with U2 and the, everyone got the U2 album on their phone. Like, yeah, you're like, what is this crap? <laughs> <laughs> and then like, you couldn't delete it. Like, I know, it was, it, was, it was unkillable. Yeah, what's up with that? Oh, they're oh. just forcing it on us. I don't know. But yeah, we'll get Cherry, which is awesome. That comes out, what is that, March? Is that March, Kirk? Uh, I think it's late I February. S- I think, oh, like, is it late like, Feb? I think the previous cutoff was like literally like six days. Oh, no, no, no. Here's February. what it is. It's it's in theaters late February. Okay. But it's on Apple TV Plus like March 12th or something like that. Okay. Either way. If I remember. I'm, but yes. I'm down. We... Because we were just discussing this last week. We were like, yeah, we were. <laughs> we were like, we were, this was a legit conversation. We were like, man, I really want to watch Cherry, but I really hate Apple TV, <laughs> Apple TV Plus. It's really bad. Can I stomach paying $5 for an extra month just to watch Cherry? And I was like, yeah, probably, right? Like, you would rent a movie for 5 or $6. Yeah. Like, that's not a big deal. It's so it's effectively either- that. Spend five dollars or drive like three hundred miles to a select theater that is actually playing in. Yeah, drive over uh, to Missouri for us and go check that out. <laughs> um, so anyway, whether you like it or not, you might have Apple TV Plus. I was actually just talking to my parents today, and I was like, "Hey guys, your Apple TV Plus got extended," and they're like, "Oh really? Who cares?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, no one, no one cares." Um. Okay, last bit of news. And this is just because we touched on it last week, but um, the Oscar frontrunner right now for Best Picture is Nomadland, which has been just Hoover vacuuming up awards everywhere it goes, like a giant Hoover vacuum, like I said. That was good. Was that the right way? Yeah, like that. You, you that sounds like someone's sucking it. it up with straw. <laughs> you did it, not me. Um, I don't know what Anyway, like. we've been kind of waiting to see what's going to happen here because they've all been saying, like, it's going on VOD February 19th. And actually, we're getting it on Hulu. So if you are a Hulu subscriber, you will have access at no additional cost to the current Best Picture frontrunner. Sorry, I had a hiccup there. But yes, pretty exciting. What would you say, Kirk? I'm dancing in the background for those viewing only on YouTube, and I'm very. Excited. I know you're a massive Francis McDormand fan, so that mm. should be uh, that should be good for you. You'll be mm. chomping at the bit for that. Yes, she is who I model my life after, and don't we all? I mean, I think I think that's a good choice. Actually, I I'm I'm not even going to pretend that I 
have any ill thoughts towards Frances McDormand because I think she is just a peach. Yeah, I love her. And I think ill thoughts of her every way, every way. <laughs> You're like that guy. Have you ever seen that clip? Um, Jimmy Kimmel mean tweets where <laughs> the guy's like, <laughs> have a good weekend, everybody, except you, Lisa Kudrow, F you. <laughs> <laughs> you're that you're that to Francis McDormand. <laughs> you're oh, that guy. Man. I don't know so. why she's just not my cup of tea. Maybe maybe she'll grow on me. Maybe she'll actually do a different character in this movie, and I like her. But I'm super <laughs> glad. I don't have to pay a dime for it. I don't have to That's pay right. a dime for it. So you won't have to pay a dime. So and and by all accounts, it looks like it's the the leader in the clubhouse for best picture, which we'll be making the rounds on our best picture noms. So it'll be good to get that one knocked out early before the awards later in April, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. That's all we got for what's popping. Let's pop it up one last time. All right. And let's move into our movie review, which this week is a Netflix original film called pieces of a woman starring Vanessa Kirby and one of our faves of all time, Mr. Shia LaBeouf. He's going through some rough times right now, but we are, we're, you know, we'll stand with him. Here, here's the thing. We, as a podcast, are not the cancel culture type. We don't subscribe to that. Bingo. We are, we are big time re- fans of redemption here. We love it. Redemption is a good thing. You got to have it because here's the thing. I'm not perfect at all. And Kirk, I, I I think you're perfect, but you're probably not. I'm not. Thank and you, so, so here's the thing: when I mess up, I would like a shot at redemption. You know what I'm saying? And uh, some people mess up more than others. Some people are in the limelight. So, Shy is going through some rough times. There's no excuse for some of the stuff that is going on there. But, um, you know, we wish him the best. That's yes. all I'll say. Okay, let's dive in. I digress. Pieces of a woman. I'll I'll synopse it. I think it's my week to do that. Correct, Kirk? Yes, sir. All right. So Pieces of a Woman is a film by... um, Uh, $10 if you get this right, if you direct. Katya Weber. She's the screenplay, right? And the director? No, I can't. (laughs) Help me out, Kirk. You got it. Cornel Mundrusco. Or no, that's not right. That was pretty good. That sounded good. Mundrusco. Let me... Hold on. Let me help you out here. Let's... Let's make sure we get this right. I mean, we will, we will never get it right, but let's at least give what it a good, like, a good, honest try. What if like half of these syllables are like silent? Like, Mundruxo. Mundruxo is the last name. You have to say it with like a snarl. Mundruxo. Yeah. Mundruxo. I struggle with that. He's from Hungary. Mundruxo. He's from Hungary. And uh, the, basical, the basic premise of this movie is it is loosely based on true events from our screenplay writer, um, Kato Weber and her husband, who is the direct, her ex-husband, who's the director, Mondrusco. right? And wow, you got to stop saying that. <laughs> and um, their experience with a traumatic home birth tragedy. So the movie starts with this home birth. It, you know, within the first ten minutes, there's this home birth. Something bad happens. The rest of the movie is telling us the aftermath of that and how everyone's life who is involved or adjacently touching that was affected. And so that's the general, that's the general thesis of the movie. Anything to add there, Kirk? Nailed it. Okay. So Vanessa Kirby is our leading lady who is pregnant and goes through the home birth and Shia is her husband. 
Yes. Got it? Okay. So let's jump in to this movie. We will have a lot to discuss, no doubt. It's, it's an interesting one. It, there's there's plenty to talk about. Let's start with um, our Oscar. And the Oscar goes to you. This one, to me, is a no-brainer. I would be... I'm going to put you on the hot seat. I would be floored if you went with anybody else but Vanessa Kirby. Um, this leading lady, she's really been flexing her muscles lately. She's been in only a couple of films, but she was in The Crown. She's brilliant in that show. Um, she was in Mission Impossible in a very limited role, but she's really starting to pick up some roles now, and I couldn't be happier for her because she is just deserving. <laughs> she is an incredible actor with great ability. She obviously puts a lot of thought and care and work into her craft. She has to play a woman in this film who has gone through debatably the most devastating thing that a woman can experience or that any you know parent can experience, which is the loss of a child during the birthing process. Um, devastating or really at any point mm-hmm. to be honest mm-hmm. and to convey that is something that you could tell that she did not take lightly and something that she made very real in her life like she it just felt like she was bearing that burden of like she was feeling the weight and maybe it's because the director and the screenplay writer were right there on set talking her through this giving her like here's what we went through here's how everything goes but her acting was just on point like grief is insanely hard to understand people people grieve in different ways and i can only imagine because it's hard to understand that it's super hard to convey but she nailed it and every scene was like a masterclass yes. from Vanessa Kirby like from the drop of the hat she was just killing it all the way to the very end um she was a marvel to watch, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So it had to be Vanessa Kirby. Yes, uh, you nailed it. There is no ache on my face. I absolutely picked Vanessa Kirby as <laughs> as the Oscar goes to as well. It's funny because I was, you know, the promos for this film are so heartbreaking and and vulnerable, and you're like, this has to be good. Uh, she has to be good, and I. I kind of gave up on the crown. Admittedly, I, I stopped like halfway through season one, which she is in, mm-hmm. and she's gotten you know lots of lots of good press on on being Princess Margaret in that. And honestly, like she's good, but she didn't like blow my hair back, like you know whatever in that in that show. But man, beat one in this is captivating from her. There is not yeah. a moment, there is not a scene where she is not spot on she's spot on the whole the whole time so definitely going to be nominated at the academy awards because regardless of of anyone else in this cast she she stood apart and she deserves it she did her she did her homework and she really really uh really went for went for the gold here so bravo vanessa yeah good call nothing nothing but good things to say about that performance it's truly great and i think you're right i mean i think i think there's a good chance we see you're nominated um and I think that even in a normal normal year, she would be competitive in that category because it, it really is that good of a performance. Um, okay, let's move into Scene Stealer. Interesting supporting cast in this movie. Um, some interesting casting decisions, I would say, just in general. But for me, I'm going with our guy Shia, who plays the husband in this movie. I think um, he has a... Co- the reason he's Scene Stealer for me is that he has... 
the scenes where he's with Vanessa Kirby, he slays. I think he, this is just kind of right within his wheelhouse. Like he's very much a a method actor. He's he's really can excel at hyper intimate roles, and I know no better way than to describe this movie as hyper intimate, um, uncomfortably so, if we're being honest. So this was. You know, in in a lot of ways, I think he was one of the best actors for this job. He made the relationship between them feel real. I think there were times where it was like he was in scenes with other people where it was like, eh, that could have been better. But I think that was partly the writing and partly Shia, maybe. I don't know. But him and Vanessa Kirby were electric. And um, I really enjoyed those scenes with them together. Yeah, also Shia. This is the same scorecard. Uh, also Shia as scene stealer here. He, you know, I haven't seen too many films that were, you know, kind of set in present day reality since with him. Gosh, since like I don't know, Disturbia. I don't know if that was present day yeah. or not. You know, because we had it. We've had him in in lots of other. Uh, great well, maybe roles. like. Um, well, what about Peanut Butter Falcon? Is that present day? That is present day. I don't know what I'm thinking. This role, I don't know, like Peanut Butter Falcon, which I love and I loved him in, this one, it, it just seemed like he's the working class guy. In Peanut Butter Falcon, he was a working class guy, but like way in the South, not to put yeah, any kind of... in the sticks. Of, in the sticks. You know, it was different. So like seeing him as as this guy, uh, where are they? In, they're in Pennsylvania or New York or whatever. They're, wherever they're at, it, it just seemed yes. very... Where are they? Massachusetts, Boston. Boston. Yeah. It just seemed very, very present, very relevant. So I was a little worried in this first couple scenes. I'm like, how is he going to like do his thing in here? And he perfectly interwove this this really full character um, surrounding his support for for his wife um, in everything that they were going through. Um, I there's a moment where he's like he's like screaming. Um, and, but like also restricting one of the most powerful things you can do as an actor is not give it all away at, at, at certain points uh, and where he's like screaming, wanting to cry, wanting to fall apart. And then he like re- he like pulls it back in. And I just thought that was fantastic. The role itself, mm-hmm. I don't think is big enough to garner uh, any kind of a- actual Academy request. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think it is. But still, nonetheless, I was I was glued to him when he was on screen, as always. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, we might end up having similar scorecards here, Kirk. I don't know. It's 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 looking that way. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Let's go into Showstopper. Um, for me, the Showstopper. There is a scene at the beginning of this movie that is the birthing scene, and it is um, a scene with no cuts. It's filmed continuously, and it kind of moves around the house and I just loved the way that the camera work captured the liveliness of the house you know like that like that specifically even within that scene which was the best scene in the movie but the the way that the camera was used in that way was totally different than the way it was used the rest of the movie and I assume that was intentional and I think it just it really felt like you were the observer watching this go down which was a really interesting point of view and it was done so in a very very thoughtful way kind of like paying attention to things that you would naturally pay attention though to even though they're not relevant to what's happening from time to time and like 
moving around quickly depending on the mood or slowly depending on what's happening. It was just like they clearly thought about that. In fact, I think it almost would have worked better, this movie, as a short film with just that scene. It was almost like, it's almost like that's how they designed it. And then they were like, let's make this a bigger film. I don't know if that's true or not, but I could totally see that being the case. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, mine is completely different from yours. Mine is the first 30 minutes of this movie. There is a labor scene and they weave in and out of the house. <laughs> and you <laughs> no feel way. like you're an observer of, of what's happening in a very thoughtful way. Uh, <laughs> It's the same. It's Are, you the same. Are you serious? Are you serious? Dead oh, serious. My. Yeah. One cool thing about about uh, two things. The first cool thing is that this labor scene took two days to film, and they did it in six takes. Six. That's pretty awesome. Wow. That's impressive. It very much so is. And the other thing is, is as um, as Vanessa Kirby is going in going into labor, the, if you have children. She she hits points of, uh, of labor that you know like there's all this gas so she's like burping all the time throughout it <laughs> and yeah. she's she's kind of delirious in one moment and the very next she's like tanking in extreme pain and like holding her husband loving on him and then like pushing him away like it, it's she captured that so well and what I found is that Vanessa Kirby has not had any children yet um, she actually went and like did like shadowed as like a nurse or, or like a or like a midwife and actually got to witness one one birth uh, one mother said sure you're vanessa kirby go for it you know so wow. bravo to get to do her homework in such a cool exciting way for such a such a movie yeah that's cool that's really cool and it, yeah it was like i said it was very intimate it was uncomfortably intimate it was very real. And that scene is, like I said, I think that scene could be the movie, <laughs> to be quite honest, which which sort of brings me into director's shoes, which is, for me, a pretty big whopper, <laughs> if I can be quite honest. Like, this movie struggled hard with storytelling. I think it's unclear what they're trying to get across here. They They throw out a couple of different themes that... Some are followed through, some are stumbled through, and some just never really make it off the, the tarmac, you know? It's just like they're, they've got their feet in a lot of different things. And um, just things that happen throughout the story and then the way that it ends just doesn't line up. You, you're sitting there, at least for me, I'm watching this whole movie going, okay, this is going to be a portrait pick. It's going to be about basically, it's not going to be overly theme heavy, maybe some themes here or there, but it's going to be about grief and what grief can do to a couple and what this scenario could potentially do and did do in these people's lives. But it wasn't. Like they were actually trying to tell a story with deep themes that has like a nice clean resolution and they end up serving up some of these story plot points in a very strange, clunky, unorganized way. Like, you have characters that are super important, just leave, gone, never spoken of again. You're like, huh? You you have, um, you know, this, this mother figure to Vanessa Kirby who like randomly pours her heart out to her in a scene that's just 
all around bizarre. And then you've got the ending where they try to tie it all together, but you're like, wait, that doesn't seem right. And I don't care about that. And this is weird. Like without spoiling it, it's just really hard to understand what the thought process was from a storytelling perspective. I really think, and, 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 and maybe the answer is this. It's based on true events, so maybe it just really was that weird and sloppy like real life can be, and so they tried to like give it some sort of nice Hollywood ending or something. I don't really know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think this would have done far better as a portrait pick where they say, here's the inciting incident. And what I mean by portrait pick, sorry, I use that all the mm-hmm. time, but basically just like a movie that doesn't have any sort of real linear end-to-end plot a movie that's just like here is a thing that happened this is like your view into it and then it's over you mm-hmm. know a good ex- like the coen brothers do this from time to time inside lewin davis if anybody's seen that movie is a good example of this these are the kinds of movies that drive my wife crazy she's like nothing happened <laughs> you know um but i just think that portrait pick was the better was the better route here's the inciting incident here's how these people's lives were affected grief is crazy the end over. That's what I, yep. that's what I think they should have done. And that's not what we got. Nope. 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 Uh, yeah, this is the same. This is pretty much the same, you know, like, in, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in pitch perfect, uh, I know all of our fans are pitch perfect fans because every human being is a pitch perfect fan. At least truly deep down, film. even if they haven't seen it, they, when they do, they will love it. You are a future pitch perfect fan at that point. <laughs> You're incubating. Um, in Pitch Perfect, they do this weird love triangle thing between uh, Anna Kendrick's character, Skylar Aston's character, and the guy who runs the school's radio uh, station. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this weird thing between all, th- you know, obviously Anna Kendrick, Skylar Aston are supposed to be in love. That's clear. They both work at this record store. That's established in the first 10 minutes that they reference two other times, which is just kind of like off the cuff, whatever. But there are this, there's this weird rivalry between the the DJ guy who runs the station and Skylar Aston, the intended boyfriend. Yeah. And, and you don't understand where some of it comes from until you watch the deleted scenes from the extra content, either on the DVD or on digital. That's what it feels like. That's what this movie feels like. That there were there are some crucial deleted scenes from this film that didn't work out mm. or they were going to extend the film far too much to, that would d- distract from Vanessa Kirby's role possibly there are deleted scenes that we haven't seen that would fill in all these holes about like yeah like why does this person hate this person and why do they love this person when they sh- it should be flip-flopped and right, uh, why right. why isn't she screaming at her or why isn't she hugging him or hugging her or it doesn't make any sense uh, and I think those dots and those lines are are crossed and just missing from the final cut of the film. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it truly, I think, even even some of the plot points that seem misplaced during the movie, you're almost able to overlook until the end, and then at the end, you're like, okay, well, that just <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like any of that. I, I mean, it's like you can see what they're trying to do and, and, and you like the general message they were trying to achieve, but the way that they try to achieve it is just nonsensical. There was um, another route. There was another route and it, it didn't totally miss the landing, but there was a stronger option. I feel like 
I agree. I agree. Um, okay, so sorry. I wish, you know, we do these spoiler-free reviews, and actually, like, Kirk and I have recently been talking about whether or not we should continue to do that. So maybe we will um, maybe we'll raise that for discussion because I feel like we could deep dive more here if we, you know, took the, took the bars off, but that's okay. We want to make sure that you guys have a chance to see this movie and form your own opinions while also being able to listen to ours. So we'll go spoiler-free. I won't, I won't spoil anything, but let's go with overall thoughts. I think for me, man, I wanted to love this movie. I did. And there's a lot to love, frankly. I think that in generally... Like generally speaking, it's it's well shot. I think the the production design is is solid. I think um, the characters they build, you know, especially our two our two leads are really strong and, and well acted. But the the story for me just kind of bungles the whole thing. It just really makes it hard to figure out how I feel about this movie. I got done and I was like, man, you know, I even struggled coming up with a score for it, but. I think where I'm landing is that the story just doesn't get you there. Like it just doesn't get you to where you need to go to really feel like there was merit to watching this. I think that first scene with the first 30 minutes with the birth before they roll pieces of a woman on screen, like ultra powerful, crazy, good filmmaking, loved every bit of it, Mm -hmm. really well acted, like all of that's good. But beyond that, it just it's like, man, I, I should have just shut it off <laughs> there and, and made up my mind about what happened to them because I think it might have been a, a better story or at least a more logical one. So, uh, man, I'm still going back and forth. I, I, I'm giving it a 5.6 out of 10. So that's wow. where I'm at because the story, just it just lost me. It just lost me. Okay. Um, I think that Cornell Mundrusco would be a little disappointed in your score. Um, uh, that's he, fair. The director, he would he would be very upset. Um, but who cares? Who cares, Cam? He's in Hungary, and we're in he Southern can't get Illinois. To he has He'll no never idea. find you. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I would I I'm going to give this one a little bit more grace, um, only because I am a sucker, an absolute sucker for phenomenal acting. And Vanessa well, sure. yeah. Kirby and Shia LaBeouf, they won me over. Uh, they won me over. Um, also, shout out to the mom. Uh, I don't know how how I overlooked this. Um, the mom, Ellen Ellen Burstyn, she's the mom in The Exorcist. She's the crazy old lady in Requiem for a Dream. She's in The Last Picture Show. She is, you know... Uh, Hollywood royalty fame basically so she's in this movie so if, if you like movies and you want to see her in this come come watch it um, anyways I think that I think that this movie was it was very moving despite the plot holes I could connect the dots even though it made me mad I hope I get deleted scenes on Netflix somehow someday I'm going to give this a 7.4 out of 10 okay okay I think that's fair um and yeah, I think it's just, it's one of those things where like, even though we were really similar on things that we liked and didn't like, I think yeah. there's just like, there are, th- it shows you like, there are things that are more important to some people in a movie than others. And that's totally fine. And that's, you know, that's what we promote. We want different opinions. We want to, we want to chat through it and, and talk through everything. Um, last thing while we're giving shout outs, Molly Parker, who plays Eva, who is, who's the midwife. 
I thought she was great. I really wanted to give her scene stealer, um, just because she was the she was in a lot of ways the true definition of a scene stealer in the sense that she got very limited screen time and had an underrated role and did a great job with it. But I had to give it to Shia because he did such a fantastic job as well. But her, you know what she nailed, dude, was the bedside manner yes. that um, doctors and nurses have. She like comes in in this one in the very first scene. And she like rolls up her sleeves and kind of like shakes her wrist. And she's like, how you doing? How's everything going? And I was just like, yes, <laughs> like understated, but money, you get it. And you're working. I, I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. So she's my, she's my scene stealer number two there. I thought she was great. Yeah. She's also like unrecognizable. Like when I pulled up the cast list after the movie, I'm like, wait a second. What? Your girl Molly Parker was in. Um, Game of Thrones, or not Game of Thrones, in House of Cards for like 25 yep. episodes. Um, she, she was Jackie. Yeah, she, yes. was, she was Jackie, and she killed in that show. And she absolutely ate it up, left zero crumbs. Yes, I believe she was in Deadwood, the series. She was in Netflix's newer version of Lost in Space. Like, she is. she has been in some fantastic pieces uh, of, of film and TV. So... I didn't know it was her with with her particular um, makeup and, and get up. And so bravo to her. She was great. Yes, absolutely. Well, that is our review of Pieces of a Woman. Guys, check it out on Netflix. Be warned, it's not for the faint at heart. Um, there, If you're – it's a hard R. <laughs> Let's yes. just say that. Viewer discretion, highly advised, I would, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And just make sure that you uh, – have a very mature mindset going into it because I think like it's, it's not for everybody and that's okay. And so just know your limits and know that there's a very real birth scene. Um, there's lots of language. There's some content. Just, just know that going in and go from there and, and let us know your opinion. I, I mean, I want to chat more about this movie. Kirk and I went notch for notch straight down the list and ended up two points apart on our score. So that's, you know, this movie is highly interpretive, lots of different things going on. So lots of good conversation can be had, but you, again, you can watch this on Netflix and, uh, we expect to see some award time buzz for our acting leading lady, Vanessa Kirby, who did a fantastic job. So be sure to check it out ahead of the awards. And normally this is the point of the show where we would go into schoolyard pick, but we're not going to do that this week. We are going to leave you at that. Kirk, you got anything else to add, my friend? Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird to leave you early. Um, I, I know. I, I Very <clears throat> odd. I mean, maybe we'll just text for an hour after this. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. That's maybe. fine. I mean, I got to do post-production, and you got to type a description for this episode. But <clears throat> I do? Okay. All right. We can check. Yeah, I just decided that for you. All so right, there cool. you go. I got you. <laughs> but yeah, we'll let you guys go. Um, just a reminder, we'll be back again next week with a new episode what are we reviewing? One Night in Miami, Kirk? Um, I Maybe. mean, I think Outside the wires off the table because we already spoiled the crap out of that and tanked it. Um, I don't know. There's, there's. Oh, what was the other one we were going to watch? <clears throat> no, One Night in Miami. That was the one we were going to watch. Yes. So I think that's the leader in the clubhouse. If you have thoughts on a movie we should review, hit us up. We're open to whatevs. Also, there's a fan out there who has like a free... Um, they get to pick whatever movie they want, and they've not pulled the card yet. So. I know it will happen. It will happen when we least expect it, and it'll, they'll probably pick the emoji movie, and then we'll just die. Oh, emoji four. 
<laughs> Dude, I've seen that movie. Let me tell you, that's an abomination of nature. It's one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen. Actually, let me leave you with this. If you really want to see a truly awful movie, go on Netflix right now or whenever it's convenient for you and type in Baby Shark Space. What is it? Hold on. I mean, I think Baby Shark Space will get there for you, but let me let me make sure. That way you guys can find this. Baby Shark Space Adventure. I should have known that. Oh, Baby Shark is. Space Adventure. It is truly miserable. Um, we watched it with our son, unfortunately. Marshall, he was all about it. And it's basically like one of those shows, you know, in sitcoms on like the 100th episode when they're like, remember that time we did this? And then they show a clip. It's like basically a, yeah. a thinly veiled clip show of different baby shark pink fong songs <laughs> and a plot that is just so garbage that you will be floored. And it's like dubbed in English. So it was like originally recorded in Japanese or something like that. It's God awful. So if you just really like to torture yourself or your family, that's that's where you should go. Look no further than Baby Shark Space Adventure, available exclusively on Netflix. I'm going to edit you. I think it's 65 minutes of pure joy, Cam. <laughs> Dude, it's mercifully 65 minutes. Thank God it's not an hour 30. Any more than 65 minutes, and it's it breaks the Geneva Convention for like human rights violations at that point. Yes. I honestly yes. believe it does. So. <laughs> keep that in mind we'll leave you guys with that thought so i want to give a special thanks to our executive producer mr ryan spriggs and of course to rhetoric enjoy a brand new mix of our outro as you listen to the end of this episode and we will see you guys next week talk to you then <laughs>